Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host Patrick from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Ah, good morning, Mark. We have a guest from Oz. I hope so. I we hope have, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Uh, Narelle Wickham is a forensic mental health technician which sounds exciting. What do you do with your day, Narelle? And welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. You said before uh, your other life was software. I'm actually not a technician, but a clinician. Oh, see? See? See, he's got uh, tech stuff on his mind. I do, constantly. And um, what part of Australia are you from? From Sydney. And what brings you to Santa Barbara? What brought me to Santa Barbara my first time last year for three days was I was doing a long train trip between Portland mm. and Los Angeles, and we asked the Amtrak guy, hey, where's a good place to stop? He said, Santa Barbara. I said, what's there? And he said, I'm not telling you, but you just need to go there. You're going to love it. I went, okay, I'm going there. So I came for three days. Yeah. Look, the pretense is to visit my daughter who lives in Los Angeles, and I don't want to stay in Los Angeles for the duration of my long visit. So I loved Santa Barbara last year, fell in love with it, and decided to come for an extended seven weeks this time oh, and wow. base myself here in Santa Barbara. When you say, it, so is this a business or pleasure, this seven weeks? You know, unfortunately, my personality type is someone who always needs a project. So oh. initially it was a vacation but what happened on the plane coming over and how I got to meet you was standing on that long 17-hour flight. I met yep. Pia, yep. who said, where are you going? And I said, Santa Barbara. And she said, I've got these people you must meet <laughs> and you must go and join Impact Hub. Yep. And so many people have said to me, oh, Australia, we'd love to go there. Tell us about that. And I'm so tired of repeating myself. I went and joined the fantastic Impact Hub on State Street, yep. and now I'm putting on a talk. So now it's actually turned into work. <laughs> <laughs> When's your talk? My talk is on Thursday, the 31st of May at 5.30. But here's the interesting thing about the talk. I'd like to give something back to this community. So it's actually now going to be a combination of a talk about some travel things in Australia. We'll do the Vegemite on toast tasting. I'll also talk about my clinical work with teachers training them to look at look for the symptoms of mental illness in young people as opposed to normal teenage behavior and I've been really fortunate in um, yesterday I met Dr. Jeff Gaddies who works at the mental wellness center and we're going to do it as in conversation with him this is why now it's turned into a work trip, you know. But this is what you love to do. It's true. I just so it's can't not really do work. A project. No, it's not really work. Right. I, yeah, but but I, y you touched on it briefly. But um, what? Give us some more information about that that concept of, of investigating the mental health of, of yeah, the looking for people. signs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a, a huge topic. Especially th today, there was a shooting in Houston at a high school. So just today. Well, let me say in Australia, first of all, we have never had a high school shooting. 
uh, and there's several reasons for that difference in our country's culture. Teachers in all countries, all over the world, do a fantastic job. They're not trained, though, to spot the signs and symptoms of mental illness in young people. And mental illness is a young person's disease. The onset generally is between really? 14 and 25. Someone That's when my it sets age, in. Yeah. yeah, someone my age, or with all due respect, probably both your ages, sure. isn't going to develop a major mental illness at this time of our lives, but for two things something organic, like a brain tumour, sure. or we go and take some mind-altering drugs. Really? Those are the two, that's what would, would set it off for? That what, what's you would that look, age range? Uh, it's 12 to 25. Wow. Some people, you know, make the 12 lower or higher. Sure. But really, major mental illness has its onset by 25. So here's the thing. Teachers are teachers. They're not clinicians. Mm. They, they, can't, they can't be mm-hmm. trained in everything. Of course not. Right. So yeah. that we don't want to train them to counsel children or provide any therapeutic or clinical intervention. Here's what I do in Australia. I say to my more than a thousand teachers that I've trained, I want you to just do four things. I've got an acronym, sold. How many of you are sold on teaching? <laughs> you're you're going to sell Mark on this. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I love acronyms. It's you copyrighted. Know, you know yeah, that. Yeah, Good. Cool. Excellent. The S, is for, the S is for smile. Okay. Smile okay. and engage your students. The O is for observe. Watch, look, listen, what's happening with them? How are they behaving but differently? Observation is really about clocking it too, like, like categorizing exactly. it. Not just like, oh, yeah, I watch my students every day. But no, like obs- observation means you have to have some kind of report about it. Well, did they shower? Have they, you know, missed showering for a day? Who cares, you know, sure. one day? Have they done it more days two than weeks. not for two weeks? Yeah. Oh, you're thinking, okay, that's interesting. Listen to what their friends are saying. As mm. a parent, drive them everywhere. That's where you listen. get their tips. L is listen, and D is discuss. Now, here's the thing also in Australia. We take confidentiality very seriously, but we share things on a need-to-know basis. A teacher needs to share with their school executive, they need to share with the parents, and they need to share with the local mental health team. Then if the teacher is concerned, going, it's really interesting. This kid used to hand essays in all the time. They were thinking clearly. They were well-groomed and hanging out with their friends. Now they're withdrawn. They're not showering. They're not concentrating. They, they're not playing sport. They're not doing the things they used to do. They're withdrawn. That's when the teacher's, I believe, responsibility is to walk with that person and refer them to a school counsellor or a mental health service. Because if you look back on school shootings or indeed tragic suicides. I heard there was just a suicide of a student in Santa Barbara. Barbara. uh, Just Mm -hmm. horrific. There must have been someone who noticed something. But to notice something, you have to know what you need to be noticing. So I'm passionate in Australia about training high school teachers in a fun, interactive, five-hour course. And by the end of it, you'll know what you need to look for. I feel like my junior high and high school friend, my, my teachers that are junior high and high school uh, teach, they, um, that won't, this is not a far distance for them to travel to get to what you're talking about. Right. Meaning it's th- a five hour, it's a five right, hour right. PD. And it's really just, it feels What's like. What's a PD? Uh, Sorry. I professional I development. And in, in Australia, in the ACT, the mm-hmm. capital, Canberra, each teacher has to do 20 hours each year 
to remain certified to teach the next year. Sure. In New South Wales, it's 100 hours, and wow. it has to be accredited training. Wow. So teachers are looking for affordable, fun courses. And I was the girl who was expelled in year nine <laughs> from a Catholic really? school. What? Yeah, of course I was. Catholic yeah. school. Absolutely. I went to Catholic military academy. That's worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Mm. yeah, it is. Yeah, that would be yeah. worse. We don't have yeah. that. <laughs> what, what are teachers paid in Australia? Not not like number wise, but like where do they land on the on the bracket? Look, they would be middle income earners. They're not. They certainly aren't paid enough. Would would a a teacher uh, be able to buy a house? Not probably in Sydney or Melbourne in an inner city area. Okay, but generally speaking, yes, somewhere somewhere else. I mean, they could buy an, a small apartment like in the middle of Sydney or Melbourne. Our housing prices are pretty well comparable to New York or one yep. of your big yep. cities yep. Or, or indeed Santa Barbara. Yep. Yep. I'm just trying to get, because my mother was a, was a teacher for 37 years. My in in-laws. Public schools, yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm always trying to get that feel for like, so we require 100 hours or tw- 20 to 100 hours for a teacher to maintain certification for the next year. And there's so few industries where that is the mandate for professional development to maintain for the next year. And there, I mean, that's, that's the kind of, of, of professional development I would expect of a, cl- a clinical therapist or a uh, physician or, you know what I mean? Like, like a profession that is being compensated totally different than what a teacher is being compensated for. Absolutely. Yeah. But unless a teacher or a family spots an emerging mental illness in a young person. You're on the front line. It's They're not right going to happen. Yeah. Teachers are spending more time. And once a student starts withdrawing, that's even a bigger symptom. Mm-hmm that something is happening. So let me ask a, I've got a question. So I've, because my oldest grandson is going to be 12 next month and my youngest one's going to be five next week. Mm-hmm. So this is on, this is a, something I want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between uh, an environmental situation at home, uh, a looming divorce or some abuse or something like that versus mental illness? Right. How when do you, does it rise to? How do we know? Well, what's that what's the because there might be it just might be a really crappy home life versus mental. How do you? Well, I really well. First of all, let's take the divorce situation. We know that children and young people thri- thrive in war- warm, connected families. Yep. And warm, connected families can exist absolutely after divorce. Mm-hmm. Divorce is not necessarily a destructive thing, especially if the parents can reach a sensible place to co-parent and keep that kid's interests at heart. Many, many young people come from divorced families and do well. Child abuse, on the other hand, is a completely different right. thing. We know that, in fact, it's interesting, early exposure to family domestic violence is one of the key indicators of someone becoming a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not what you'd think, but in fact, that is the reality. Homelessness is also a key predictor of murder, which is also interesting. Play that one just out, just for one extra second, just so we understand it better. People who are homeless are more vulnerable to crimes of violence. So I heard recently there was a, a guy in a, a Ventura close to here, I think, who yep. uh, was homeless and who um, allegedly... Oh, the family. Yeah, yeah. Right. But the reality is homeless people are more likely 
to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators of violence. But back to your question. Early childhood abuse can often affect young people's mental health and attachment. In fact, if you look at psychopathy, and probably not appropriate to go into who in your country might be psychopaths, (laughs) but having said that, um, it's very interesting. But organic mental illness, like the major depression and major anxiety, are generally speaking organic. Anxiety is by far the biggest thing that young people in Australia suffer, especially social anxiety. They're the kids who can't get up in front of the classroom. Right. What is And we know what that is? We know why that's happening? Look, we, we're not entirely sure, but one of the good indicators is, has someone else in your family, your fa- it's like blue eyes. Uh-huh. You know, I've got blue eyes, my daughter's got blue eyes. Uh-huh. So when you say organic, my I come from a medical family, so I instantly think, oh, there's a pill to take to rebalance the body chemistry. Is that true or not true? Look, in adolescence, we know that exercise and cognitive behavior therapy works as well for a mild mental illness as does medication. So Mm, in Australia, mm, medication mm, is mm. definitely not our first line of treatment. Absolutely not. We want to try exercise and we want to try cognitive behavior therapy. And the other risk is overdiagnosing. Oh my God, you've got anxiety. Look, you know how many different sorts of anxiety there is? When someone comes to me and says, oh, I've got depression, I've got anxiety. I go, okay, what sort of depression? What sort of anxiety? And this is what I teach my teachers. They're adjusting school classrooms to cater for these young people. There's something to face your fears. Yeah. Face your fears. I mean, I do it in my, you know, I do it in my clinic. I had a guy, he was 60. He hadn't driven for 40 years. His father had driven him to an appointment. He's 84. I said, why are you here seeing me? He said, I want to be able to drive myself and my mm. parents around mm. there in their 80s. Mm. I said, you're getting in your car, you're driving two blocks. He said, I can't. I said, why not? He said, I'll get anxious. I said, you'll get anxious. You'll pull over and you'll say, so what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry, He's I been my patient for a year. Yeah. And he said, he said, Narelle, I've got a girlfriend now on the other side of town. I'm driving. I said, do you think you had anxiety before? <laughs> now you've got a right. girlfriend. You're going to be really anxious. Right. And you think, ah. If, if, and he drove. Mm. And he said, you know, I had 40 years of therapy. Nothing worked. What you worked did. And I said, what did I do that was different? He said, you said, suck it up. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't mm-hmm. think I said that. He said, you pretty well did. But look, medication is important. But let's, especially with young people, one, try not to overdiagnose them. Yep. There's not a label for everything. Very few people have major mental illness. In fact, it's less than 1%. So we need to not overdiagnose. Mm. We need to try exercise and cognitive behavior therapy first. Where's diet in that? Diet's very important as well. And here's the other thing. My other course, which is doing very well in Australia, is internet overuse from a mental health perspective. Internet overuse. Go into that, please. Well... Look, clinically, there's no such thing as internet addiction. Having said that, that's because it's not in the DSM. And that's your Bible for mental illness. And we use it in Australia. But it's in the back of there now as a condition for further study, which is interesting because once it's in the back, over time, it'll be in the front. So you look at young people who are in their rooms, isolating. Glued. Glued. The number of young men accessing pornography 
under 14, it's the new sex educator. Mm. So there's a lot, the internet's great. I use it for banking. As a tourist, I love the map on my phone. Mm -hmm. I use, you know, I have no problem at all with usual internet use. It's when it replaces your social relationships. Can I give you an example? Sure. I have a young IT guy who helps me with my PowerPoint. He's 20. He helped me with my PowerPoint presentation on this particular course, Internet Addiction from a Mental Health Perspective. So he was looking at the material. Yeah. yeah. So he said to me, Norelli said, I think I might be addicted to the internet. Yeah. And I said, why is that? He said, I've got my first girlfriend, his first sexual relationship. I said, that's great. How is it? He said, I'm a bit worried. I said, why? He said, last night, my girlfriend invited me over for dinner and to stay the night. This young man's around 20. Mm-hmm. He said, I decided to stay home and pay my, play my video game in my bedroom with yeah. my housemate who's, who was in his next bedroom with the doors closed. I said, you've really got a problem. I don't know about you guys, but 40 yep. years ago yep. when I was 20, at 20, you didn't want to be playing a video game in your bedroom when your girlfriend was on offer. This, right. But this goes back to what you said about the driving thing where it's like, so you'll be uncomfortable. It was I, face I, your fears, wasn't I, it? When I, when I, when my wife and I, who recently my daughter's nine months old now, and, and and let's backtrack, say two years ago, and I had this conversation with my wife about like, you know, I'm 40. What if you know if I have this child and like, what if you, what if we break up, and 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 the child has to be raised like I was in this broken home, and there'll be you know, and, and what if we hate each other? And she looked at me, and this was this was how she absolutely this is rings so true. You guys would be friends. She says, so we'll break up, and then we'll raise the kid. Like what? That's it. That's why you're not having a child is because you're afraid that someday you might screw up. And I go, oh, yeah. And so now we, now we have a beautiful nine-month-old daughter. Of course. And if you did break up, you would both remain strongly attached yeah. to that young person, your daughter. And that's what it's about. It's not about family structure. This idea of mom and dad raising two kids, look, you know, there's nothing in that. What the very bottom line is strong, warm attachment. It doesn't matter who's in the family. It matters how attached and warm those relationships are. There's many different ways ways of raising healthy, productive adolescents. And I'm sure your daughter will be absolutely wonderful. And oh, you'll probably be, be married for about 100 years. <laughs> I hope so. I, I just I loved that there was a moment where she took she took this thing, this dark, scary thing to me. And said, that's it? That's your worst case scenario? That's and that's why, why she's your wife. That's why she's right. my wife. Yeah, so absolutely. She, you know, absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to go anywhere because you're on a good thing there. I just, those moments where, where somebody says, what's the, what, what is your worst anxiety about this? And, and you just, dis, it just gets dismantled so easily when you kind of put it in the light. When it's not inside, you know, when you look at your young friend who was 20 and, and you say, what was the worst case scenario for you leaving your room? Is that is that you might have had an awkward moment with a woman? Like, well, he wouldn't get his high score on his video game, which is the reason for concern. Look, I've got parents yeah. and I say to them, take the device out of the bedroom. Mm. Mm. It has to be left on the dining room table and it has to be off of a night. And they mm. go, we can't do that. I said, when has being a parent <laughs> ever been easy? It is your job to do that. Yeah, it's when I yeah. trot out the "Can't lives on Won't Street." Yes, exactly. Street. And parents are becoming <laughs> powerless. Great. It's interesting. This you watch this struggle of yeah. parents becoming powerless. Oh, I can't stop them drinking alcohol. Oh, I can't stop them staying out all night. Oh, I can't take their phone away from them. Well, actually, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, well, 
And you model and you model appropriate behaviour too. When you go to a restaurant with your teenager or your you know your twelve year old grandson, you turn your phone off and you have a conversation and eat pizza with him. Mm. You're not always on your phone, right. so. So that's a, a hugely large <laughs> issue: the internet addiction. You can spend the whole forty five minutes right there. It, and mm. it got me thinking that if the prescription, and you're. Are you a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor. That's really an important thing to say. I'm not a doctor. I'm a clinician. So So I've got a master's in adolescent mental health and forensic mental health. Two separate things. That's why the conversation's going so well. (laughs) (laughs) You you said the solution to this. Which is this? What's the this? uh, Depression and anxiety in young people. Uh, is you start with, and I won't say a solution, but you'll start with exercise and cognitive behavior therapy. It feels like if I'm a 14-year-old and I'm, I have, I'm illustrating these signs and I'm addicted to my screen, I'm not getting exercise right off the bat. And how am I getting any kind of cognitive behavior? How does my brain get exercise? Well, there's two things about that. First of all, the obesity problem is getting worse and worse because people are eating in the US, I have to say, amazingly large serves of food. I, I can barely go out now because I just can't eat the volume of food you guys serve up. Platters. Do what a friend of mine does, just a sidebar, and everybody listening do this. Uh, she asks for all the leftovers, and all the leftovers of everybody at the table has it backed up. And then if she's in a town that she's visiting, she fi- finds out where the homeless people are, and she pulls up because she's taken my wife on this thing and then just gives them the food and then goes off her merry way. Yeah, I think that's really an exercise. Okay, so, so we're overeating. Yep. In terms of diet you know, and exercise, young people who are spending more and more time doing a very heavy school load, they're under a lot of pressure. Right. Okay, yep. so, they're, so then they're not playing as many sports. They're not exercising as much. We're driving everywhere, especially you know, in, in the US, like now with Uber and Lyft, which is great. I love those services. I use them, but I generally try and walk as much as I can. So they're on their devices. They're inside, out of the sunlight, not hanging out with their friends in a real way. And that, look, there's good research that some social phobia, young people with social phobia, do have those connections and relationships virtually. And that has a place, but it doesn't replace human relationships. So that's the thing. So diet, exercise, all these things are important. Go talk to somebody. (laughs) And go talk to somebody. Um, This show is, um, I'm really profoundly interested in education. I think that that's at the root of a lot of the problems we have. Um, a lot of the money that nonprofits spend now is towards improving education because if we do that, we, we're going to have people have jobs. There's going to all kinds of good things <laughs> happen if we have good education. So let's move to the. But this is a business show, an entrepreneurial show, Impact yeah. Hub. But everything she said, I just was applying to like I was. Ex- I wasn't thinking exactly. teenager. I was thinking employee. Yeah, yeah. yeah but- me too. Me too. So so. If I'm thinking about hiring someone who, a uh, student workforce, for instance, and that's going to be like 18 to 25, that, that mm-hmm. young age, what, what's the onus on the employer now? So now it's not the teacher. What's the sold? Does the, do you teach the employer sold? Yeah, absolutely. I do work in Australia with 
other organisations. My passion is for teachers because I want them to be spotting that mental illness. That's, you know, I was the girl expelled in year nine. I didn't have a major mental illness. I was just a naughty, challenging teenager. The reason I'm self-employed is because I'm unemployable. I don't take any notice of rules that don't make sense. I can't can't be somewhere at 8.30 in the morning and not be truly productive. So, you know, I don't... That's where I'm an entrepreneur, I suppose, in that I'm, I'm self-employed, I have to be, because I'm unemployable, because I, I just can't go with the status quo and not question things that don't make sense to me. For example, the debate about arming teachers in this country. Is there I really mean, a debate no, there's about no it, though? Debate. Well, there's, it's, you know... The I, idea, it's a terrible idea. Well, where yeah. I'm staying, someone said to me... Um, Actually, it was somewhere else. It wasn't where I'm staying, so I'll correct that. But in conversation with a local, they said that their five-year-old that day at school had had a firearm drill. Mm. You know? Now, Mm, then we can talk about PTSD and what we're exposing these young people to the fear that someone might come into their classroom. Mm. And, in fact, it'll be the teacher that shoots... I mean, right. well, I grew, it's I grew, ridiculous. I grew up with a 20-minute concept that within 20 minutes of any given day, a nuclear bomb would get dropped on us by right. Russians. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, that was, my, that was my childhood drill. Yes, I know, but you yeah. didn't want to have a child because you've got abandonment issues because well, you worry, you were worried. So, yeah. you know, that's another whole conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you, know. you know what? It's been answered. Yeah, so you're <laughs> it's right. It's been solved. Yeah. I'm good. When are you having your second baby? Oh, any anytime now. We're, oh. We will, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah, Excellent. I mean, the first one was, has been such a cakewalk. That, you know, why not go for two? We didn't get the full experience with the, like, up all night thing and the, like, you know, crying constantly. and call Listen, it. We had no How many callers. kids do you have? I have absolutely just one uh, perfect daughter great. who slept through the night yeah. and did all those things. I, you uh, and I, I didn't want to risk it a second time. We should compare notes because I have, I have a lot of arrogance about how well my daughter sleeps. And I would like to be dispelled of that, I think. It would probably be helpful for can somebody I, to set me straight. Can I just give you a little tip about that? So yeah. I say to my teachers, my daughter, who's now 30, lives in L.A. as a young producer. Her name's Talay Wickham. She was brought up in a family that encouraged her so much. She went to a good private school. She was encouraged. You can do anything you want. You can be anyone you want. The world's big. You know, we took her to Europe to see the world. And she had an amazing life. Encouraged that the world's a big place. Don't do it. Don't do it. Of course, at 18, she goes to New York to study acting. Oh, I see. 12 years later, here am I (laughs) in another country visiting her because she took on board our message of it's a big world. I can go. No. Yeah. So if I ever had a second child, I'd go, you know what? The world is small. It's this block. You're going to work at the local (laughs) supermarket. I want you pregnant at 16. I don't want You're a not going anywhere. I don't want a 17-hour flight. It's a anything. small world. Yeah. It's this block, a local supermarket, and marry the boy down the road. Let's yeah. all stay close. Okay. Well, yeah. as soon as SpaceX uh, is real, we, they are figuring out. We just heard the CEO of SpaceX, who is an amazing woman, absolutely amazing woman at TED, talk about how they're, we're going to be able to get to Asia in 45 minutes. Will we still be alive? Yeah, within oh, 10 years. Oh, good. I'll be quite old oh, within, within 10 years, but I'll look forward ten, to that. Within 10 years. Um, the whole idea It won't of be the, old anymore. In uh, 10 years, that won't be old. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. not old. We're going we're gonna to slow that down, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 70's yeah. the new 40. That's, that's what I'm looking at. That's another whole conversation, though. How much money we're investing 
keeping people alive yeah. over 90 yeah. in surgery and on treatment. And I don't know about... For what quality of life For what having. quality mm-hmm. of life are they having? I have a friend, she's 93. Yeah. She's now in a nursing home. She said, I'm going to die of boredom. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I want my right. life well, back when I'm like active. A, that sounds right. like a programming issue. That's it, it, you know, it's it's that whole like things are wasted on different age groups. Like like you know, sixty five year olds shouldn't be racing motorcycles around. That should be given to the youth. And I think vice versa. Like video games shouldn't be wasted on twelve year olds. Ninety three year olds should be snowboarding on a video game. That's true. But once you take them out of their family home and put uh, them in an institution for care, they use they lose that power and control. Is that something you've studied a lot of? No. I haven't. Yeah. My look. My real interest and expertise is in the teenage years. Yeah, setting them up for, for success. Setting them up. Would you explain the word in your world, the word forensic, and how it applies to what you do? So, forensic is really a combination of, in my case, law and psychiatry. So, when I did my masters of forensic mental health, half for mental health units, this was out of the University of Sydney, and half were psychiatric units. So at that time, I was employed to sit in the courts, the children's court, Hmm. and do mental health assessments of young people before the court to try and make an assessment whether their situation could be caused by some sort of emerging mental illness. Versus just mitigating circumstances? Versus criminal behaviour. Right. And if we could establish that, and let me say that in any case, wherever possible I did, then that person was diverted to treatment rather than custody. Rather than penal, yeah. So instead of going, you know, into a juvenile institution with a charge of shoplifting, they might have a diagnosis of, you know, attachment disorder. You know, I mean, you can find that pretty well in a kid who's in a court, generally speaking. So it was very broad. Mm -hmm. And then we'd link them in with a good clinical service. So, of course, if they've committed a very serious offence, this wouldn't apply. But for minor offences, you know, shoplifting, you know, that that sort of thing that didn't involve violence, as much as possible, we don't want these kids in the criminal system. How is the success rate on that? Look, I can't quote you the exact research on that, but my... You have a sense. Very high. Very high. Because it's no point getting a kid out of court and not connecting them to a good mental health service. So if we can connect them to a good mental health service and their family can get that family support and help everyone in that family through what's a difficult time, it's likely that the parent will have a mental illness themselves. Remember I said it's like blue eyes? Yeah. So if no one in the family has an organic mental illness like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, we're talking a major mental illness. I say to my patients and my teachers, everybody gets anxious. I mean, I was here. You said come to the show at 9.20. I was in the foyer at 9.10. Why? I'm doing a podcast. Am I a little bit anxious? Of course I am. Hmm. It's not my everyday thing. That's normal. I don't How are you anx- doing now? I'm just checking in. Well, I don't think I've got an anxiety disorder, but of course I'm a bit anxious. So here I am facing my fears. Yeah, good job. Good, work, yeah. good job. High five. We, I, we, we you know what I mean, though? You know, yeah. we've got to do that. 
I, it's important. What is is? Oh, so many questions. I, I don't do that job now, by the way. I morphed into my own business because right. Cause you're a terrible because employee. Because I'm a as terrible employee. <laughs> terrible, I, terrible. No one what, will, what no one will your, hire t- me. Well, tell us about your business now. Tell us about because you're 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 in town giving giving talks. But tell us more about what you're doing right now as as a business. So as a business, I talk mental health is my business. I'm not taking uh, back up. It's actually called I Talk Mental Health. <laughs> I'm sorry. She didn't do air quotes, so I wouldn't have known that that was the title. Yes. Okay. So that's how yeah. we – yes. I Talk Mental Health. So initially when I started that business about five years ago, I had a caseload of patients and an emerging teacher business. That's pretty well changed now. I'm not obviously taking patients because I'm in America. Sure. Um, and I don't have a visa to work. Uh-huh. So everything I do – is not paid. It is. And that's why my talk on the 31st of May at 5.30 at the Impact Hub is entry by donation. Oh, yeah. And that, once I cover my costs, the percentage I'll donate back to a local Santa Barbara charity, maybe one or two charities, so I won't be earning any income. So, in fact, probably I'm not a very good business person (laughs) because I'm here for three months not earning any money. Um, But in in Australia, in Australia, what I'm doing, I'm working with um, some very local community schools and I'm also working with a prestigious grammar school to train teachers in mental health. So mainly that is my business model. You know, I'd love to come here and train some teachers or have a conversation with your president. If you could get me in front of Donald, I'd I'll like I, I'd really appreciate that. Right, let's not we'll get right like on he's that. A friend of ours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He's calling 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 into the show. But regularly. you know, I mean if he d- I mean, if you look at Australia's gun laws and the fact that we've never had a mass shooting and how we behave in terms of firearms in our country. Last week we had headlines um, on our Australian news that there was a mass shooting in Australia. And there was. It's alleged that a grandfather, who is now deceased, shot and killed the six members of his family. So for us, that's a mass shooting, and it's the first one since, in fact, 96, when we had our gun laws changed. Mm -hmm. Now, that's also domestic and family violence, but it's interesting, I wonder here, whether that would have made a front-page headline to say that was a mass shooting. Mm. Front-page in the regionally or in the community, Yeah, but maybe, yeah, you're exactly right, not national. Well, this is international. I'm here in the U.S., and I heard about it. Yeah. What's... What's the definition between suicide, which is self-murder, and I'm thinking of kids now, and them walking into school with a gun? What's what's? How does that bit get? Split? You mean how is that not suicide? Yeah, I mean it's it. If they shoot themselves as well, do you mean? No, I'm just oh, thinking there's there's broadly. the yeah there's this because I just don't understand it. So I've, I've got an expert here to help me understand it. Like that, they they they've stopped doing fu- normal functioning yeah, behavior. They've something something has to die. Either I'm going to die, or I'm going to take out a bunch of people. And they're not thinking about. They're not, they're obviously they're not thinking. What what happens? Look, there? I would argue that someone who d- completes a mass shooting has a major mental illness, or is a psychopath. Normal people don't think of killing other people, but why hasn't someone noticed something about that young person staying in their rooms, playing violent video games, wearing sunglasses because they're paranoid and they don't want someone to see them? There are signs that people can see in these young people. There must be. They are not young people engaging in normal 
teenage behavior, hanging out with their friends. Where do you where do you land on the on the um, because so that's that's the that's the the identifiers. But then there's all of these vehicles that are given to them or triggers that are given to them in in uh, contemporary culture, in um, in access to firearms, in ac- like, you know what I mean? Like like that behavior that you've just identified uh, would sum up several of my friends in 1994, uh, close friends, normal mm. friends, because mm. they were they were behaving in that way uh, through teenage angst and they are productive, normal adults at this point. But. There was something that wasn't there. There was some that it, that it didn't cross over into um, what you know happened later. The, what's happening regularly, regularly now. And look, so I guess what I'm saying is, is rock and roll causing kids to do this stuff? No. Look, there's all nothing is nothing is black and nothing is white. There's a big difference between zero thinking about something and behaving badly to 100% of doing a mass shooting. Mm. So your friends, I would argue, in fact weren't at all in that category. Okay. And the other thing is people behave differently if they're under the influences of any substances or indeed drunk. More people are likely to kill themselves if they're intoxicated. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if you can't get a gun, you can't shoot anyone. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, I don't know. In Australia, we're, you know, we come from convict stock. <laughs> you know, we're pretty, like, simple. It's like, oh, well, if you can't give them a gun, they can't shoot anyone. Look, it's worked for our country. Yeah. You know, especially mass. You know, why not try it? What have you got to lose? I mean, you've got nothing to lose. But the difference is, after we had our true mass shooting at Port Port Arthur, our then Prime Minister, within I think 48 hours, did a deal with our six states and two territories on our gun laws. Mm. We've got six states, you know, and on something like uh, gun gun control, we got together quickly as a country. Whereas your country. How many states have you got? 50, 50 mm-hmm. 52? Or, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's harder here. It's, it's a bigger country. But you can yeah. still do it. You know, if you accept the fact that it can't happen, then it's not going to happen. You know, I'm always, you know, the dissenting person. I want to find and challenge these sorts of things. Of course it can happen. I want to take this up out of the city, out of the country, and to the uh, global nature. We've got... 42 countries, 44, I think, at last count, who listen to the show. Yeah. Right? So it's going well beyond. We originally thought this was a Santa Barbara or local 805 show, and it's not. We have lots of people listening. What could someone who cares about this subject do in their community to see, to kind of check in and say, what are you doing to make sure our teachers are aware of this topic and are getting the right kind of training. Who's the person you talk to? Is that the superintendent of schools or do you go to a local school? Let's just say you're a concerned citizen and you say, this makes sense. Do we have a Norel in our community? Look, I think the whole thing is about communication and conversation. So firstly, I'd also be talking you know to the young people because look at those fantastic young people now demonstrating in your country they are tomorrow's right. voters oh yeah they are so first of all we need to communicate with young people and then parents and citizens need to have they must have some sort of parent council get together and say to their schools hey what are we going to do about this can we please train our teachers in basic mental health 101 but, <laughs> yeah 
that is that funny? No, well, <laughs> I, th- th- it's funny because that's such a simple, straightforward, base level first step. Just could we just start observing? Just start watching the kids. Like, we're not going to have a larger gun debate. We're not going to have a larger no. video game debate or no. violence debate or medication debate. We're going to say, could we just train some teachers and give them some ability, some tools, toolkits, skill sets to look at their kids and know what they're looking at? And that's then, not too much. No, that's the first step. But the absolute crucial step after mm. that is mm. once they think, okay, there's something not quite right with this kid, they have to be referred to an accessible, free available mental health clinical service when the young person would come to see somebody like me Mm -hmm. or their local GP or a counsellor, a qualified counsellor, not someone who's not clinically trained, who then can make an assessment and then treat that young person with their families. The universities were dealing with this, that they were having, they they realized that they had less, that that they needed counselors and they didn't have enough counselors for the year. One per, you know, they needed to hire, I think the number was somewhere around, they were in need of 2,000 counselors for the university system of California. Well, I'd be happy to uh, come to Santa Barbara. (laughs) If anyone wants to contact me, please. I talk mental health at gmail.com. Happy to come to your school and I want to live in Santa Barbara. So if anyone's out there, yeah. Give me a shout. The um, head of student health at UCSB is in our improv troupe. Oh, really? And I'm going to ask him about this because this is clearly something that I, I don't know enough about. It's a big deal. You you work, Did you work at the World Health Organization or you were – tell me about that because that's where I went on that because I'm thinking – this is a huge issue. It's not just us. It's not just you. It's in India. It's in Finland, our Absolutely. Finnish listener. I mean, it's yeah, like... Yeah, it's a global issue, mental health what's, What is WHO doing about so this? So the World Health Organization has lots of amazing products on their website and information in relation to this area. Well, in relation to every health area. Sure. It's an incredible sure. peak organization. So I was lucky enough to be chosen to do a project over there on human rights and mental health back in 2011 as Mm. a professional volunteer. So at that time, I was employed uh, in Sydney by our local health service, and I went to Geneva to do a six-month project on human rights. Because for me, this is all tied up with justice. And justice also encompasses accessible and fair treatment and Mm. accessible services. I saw Dear Evan Hansen in New York on Broadway on the weekend with oh, my daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was amazing. I read a big spiel this morning that I got via email from Broadway Direct about how Dear Evan Hansen is changing conversations between parents and young people. And I thought it was fantastic. And then I asked myself the question, because I'm always asking the question, that's great. I paid 350 Australian dollars per ticket to go to that show. So it's great for those parents who can afford to take their kids to have that conversation. But let me say there would be a lot of kids who can't afford to get to New York and see a show on Broadway, afford a ticket and stay in a hotel. So how can we take that show and that message to the kids out there who are never going to see it? And to answer your question, it's about communication. You need to be asking the teachers. And if they go, no, we don't do that program, it's like, well, why not? How can we start doing it? Can I organise a free speaker to come to your school? We have a we have a situation in a local high school right now where there was some online stalking, bullying, uh, guns involved, and it was 
the rules around what you can and can't do with kids and what you can and can't know about them. And it's, it's all kind of, uh, it's, it's not the way it should be. It's not as fluid as it should be. And I'm thinking that there is now, because I happen to be involved, good buddy of mine, he's the, a parent of one of the affected kids, that there is a conversation starting to happen here in Santa Barbara. But the word mental health, as it applies to the perpetrators, has never been mentioned. And I'm now it's going to get mentioned. Uh, you know, I think that's good. In Australia, we've got the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner, who put out a lot of great resources for schools, essentially on bullying and harassment. Our police go into schools and talk about child pornography, selfies, you know, when you take that photo at 14 and send it on. It's like, it's well, for a start, it's an offence. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of education, and the Office of eSafety does a lot of fantastic uh, information for parents. Look, I'm sure that I'm not the only person doing this. You right. all have wonderful right. people in your yep. country. I'm sure your schools here have these sort of programs, you know, I, my work is enthusiastic because I'm enthusiastic, but I don't want your listeners to get the impression that it's just me doing that. I'm right. sure you've got, you may very well have these programs in Santa Barbara schools and California and in the US. I'd ask the question though, how many schools have these programs? Because if you look at the number of people, young people in treatment and flowing on from that, you know, mass shootings in schools, you just have to wonder you know, what's happening and is there enough? I'm sure there are other passionate people just like me training teachers in the same areas. I know there's good response teams after a suicide, but is there enough and how do we make it more and how do your leaders get to know about it? Because it also has to be led from the top up. Yeah. The, um, the, the fear I have is that it gets to a budget issue. Mm. And we don't have art in school. We don't have as much sports in the school. We don't have lots of after-school programs. We have, I mean, we have teachers all over America protesting because 87% of the supplies in the classroom, they pay for themselves, mm. right? So I'm thinking, oh, are, now we're going to have a mental health professional on staff. My, so, and I'm totally uneducated. I don't know about the, this. I'm going to go ask some questions. Cause, but cause in terms I'm, of a budget perspective... I can give you some facts and figures. For every dollar you invest in a young person's mental health, you are going to save your country a bucket load of money. Yeah. It's a short-sighted <laughs> yeah, yeah. view yeah. because otherwise you'll have a young person possibly with a major mental illness who does damage so much so. I mean, it's ridiculous to call, talk about the financial impact of a mass shooting because, of course, the emotional impact is most right, important. Right. But if you think beyond that and you think, okay, what's the consequences of all this? A dollar invested in a young person's mental health will save you tens of thousands of dollars throughout that person's life. So actually, can I suggest it's being looked at the wrong way round? I, d I don't know that our the people who make those decisions are real good at long-term thinking. <laughs> well, perhaps if they had a little conversation with me over a coffee or, you, you know, a nice glass of your local Santa Barbara wine, we could, uh, or, you know, I mean, I can go to Washington. There's no problem. You're an excellent salesperson yeah, for Santa Barbara you're, 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 <laughs> I, can go and talk, I can go and talk to one of your, who's the lead, lead educator in Washington? Who's we, that person I can speak uh, to? You don't want, you don't want to. No, no, she seems real receptive. 
to new ideas. Oh, God. Sure. That's another show. Yeah. Um, I think um, your president has a teenage son. Uh, not yeah. yet. He's, he's, he's a tween. I think he's only 11 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to WHO, adolescence starts at 10. So oh. it'll be oh. interesting to see. Actually, now that's, oh, good point. you know, it's interesting how people, when they have their own young people and their own teenagers, how more interested they are hmm. in things for Pertaining young people. Yeah. But it's pers- it becomes personal. That's how gay rights has made a difference because people have a gay sibling exactly. or a gay gay child and they're like okay I can't go hating uh, because I've got someone in the family <laughs> what a weird <laughs> end nicely done Mark I'm, I, I'm just, you mean it's the end already uh, yeah it, I you can know, tell by his voice the tone in his the voice see yeah. he's we've done almost 200 of these lovely conversations over, over 200, uh, it's oh geez it's over and what happens is your anxiety now is melted away, uh, and it's been we've been talking almost an hour. Just boom, it just disappears it did like just that. Go. And one of the things that our listener knows I love. Well, first is how if people want to uh, bring you in or talk to you or get more about this, and learn more about it, they go to italkmentalhealth.com. Dot au. Dot au. Yep. Okay. Dot au. Uh, and they can find you, and, and I'll put all links in the, you in also the put show a, you notes. You said a Gmail. I talk mental health at gmail.com. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. So we'll, we'll, we'll put that in as well. And our listener also knows this is the time of the show where I give you the opportunity to actually title the show. And why that's important is someone may have come in from another show, from a friend was on the show, and they got to hurt it, and they're like, that was pretty good. Uh, what else they got? And they look at the list of titles, and because they don't know most of the people, but they the title goes, oh, that's interesting. What would we call this show? So being a simple Australian, we'd call it I Talk Mental Health in Santa Barbara. And if you only had four words, what would you do? I Talk Mental Health? Yeah, yes. you could call it. doesn't it, really it, say no, doesn't, Santa Barbara. No, it doesn't have to say Santa Barbara. That's like... We well, talk, talk, I talk about. mental health. And that was a play on iPhones and, you know, I everything. Oh. That's how I got the little I talk mental health. It was a play on that. Can I just say in summary, it's you been may. great to see you. The, the thing that's made my time in Santa Barbara special is the wonderful community that you have here, mm. especially uh, Kim at Handlebar Coffee. Oh, they're oh. the best. I yes. love that place. Yeah. I was there this morning. Um, yeah. And Kathleen at Pilates IMX in mm. Chapella Street because I need to look after myself to do this work. Yep. Mm. So things like good coffee and yep. good exercise yep. and the community at yep. the hub, yep. uh, Impact Hub on State Street, Alexis there who signed me up. You've got a great community we here. Do. You've we got do. a great, your young people are fantastic. Yep. I love smiling and saying good morning to your homeless people. Yeah. I'm going to cover in my talk a very special initiative that we're doing in Australia. It's to do with laundry and homeless people. Oh. It's really interesting. But smile at the people in your communities. They're not look invisible. up. Yeah. Look up from your devices. Smile at young people. I teach my kids in my clinic. Go out to your parents every morning, smile and say good morning. Mm. They say why? I said you'll get more out of your day. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us. And Pia, I know you're listening. Thank you so much for looking out for us and making sure we have interesting guests all the time. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and 
Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. If you're interested in doing a podcast, and Patrick, a lot of people are calling us. Yeah, uh, uh, business is picking up. Business is good. Yeah, we are a full production studio for all your podcasting needs. We have producers like Mark, uh, who can guide you through the system, um, engineers, and everything else you need to take that idea that you have, this this base level idea that you are looking to communicate to the world. And um, even if you just need some some heads up and advice on on how you're going to put it together in your own home, uh, give us a call. Contact us. We are uh, we're good at making podcasts. Send us a note at podcast at 805connect.com and if you uh, have an idea for a guest like Pia did, she just drops us a note to market 805connect.com that's how it works. I got a I got an interesting one yesterday from a guy who listened <laughs> to the show and had a good idea for someone to come on. I liked what he said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's real, really nice. Can I, this is a quick plug. Yes. Um, go, go back to your, your, your podcast app. Yep. Go into your podcast app. Yep. And look at your library. Yep. And there's all your shows. Yep. Okay. All you have to do is click on one of the shows. You click on shows. Yep. And there's yes. the icon for us, 805 Conversations. Yes. You click on that. Yes. And what's going to pop up is available episodes, previously played episodes, best of the podcast. If you just scroll down, not even halfway, two, that was, I did two little flicks two of Two little finger, swipes. What you're going to find is the ratings and reviews. Ah. And in the ratings and reviews, yes. you'll notice that currently uh, we hold a very high rating here on, on we do. 805 Conversations. If you just touch any of those stars, yes. the rest of the world will know. <laughs> it's that easy? It's just that easy. They don't have to go do anything else? No, that's all you have to do. Just is that. Touch, touch some stars. Um, but, but then go down and just read a few of these because they're really beautiful reviews by people who really uh, felt impacted by this show. And it's an opportunity for you to add your voice to that. If I you don't it. even want to come on the show, but you want to add your voice to this oh. conversation, um, give us a review. It'll go so far. You have no idea how far that'll go. And, and I say this every week. I tell you every week. Rate, right review. But you just told us how, how to easy. do it. it yes. n- it's literally the easiest thing you could ever want to do. And it would be so helpful to us because it lets other people know that this is a good show. We appreciate it. Patrick, thanks for that little tip. I, I love that. Uh, reminder, just drop us a note, mark at 805connect.com and thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.